Hello, this is Joel McRae, and I would like to first of all say thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and check out my podcast channel. I really appreciate you taking that time. Last week, we talked about my story of discovering, losing, and rediscovering identity. So if you'd like to check that out, you can go to my website, joelmccrae.com, or you can look me up on iTunes under Joel McRae. In this episode, I want to answer a question that was asked, how do we pass on identity or help our child or children discover his or her or their identity? I want to answer that by going back to my roots, track and field. So let's go. On your mark, get set, I don't know about you, but I will never get over that sound of hearing the crowd roar when the gun goes off. There is so much adrenaline and energy that just begins to feel the stadium when that gun fires and the runners take off. I had the uh, blessed opportunity to uh, be a, a runner or a sprinter starting in my junior year of high school, and that ended up giving me the opportunity to run for four years at the collegiate level as a 100-meter, 200- and a 400-meter uh, specialist uh, at the collegiate level NCAA Division One. Um, my alma mater was University of Texas at Arlington, the moving Mavericks. Those were the good old days, had such an amazing time. Uh, we'll have to give you more stories about that. But the question may be asked, what does track and field have to do with passing on legacy or passing on identity or discovering identity in our children? Well, the one thing that comes to mind is the sprint relay or any relay for that matter. Usually when you have a 400 meter relay, that is a race one lap around the track with four legs or four runners. And each runner has a station, one at the start line, and each runner runs for approximately 100 meters. And they have to carry the baton around the track. And the first one to get around the track will win the race. Now, what is very interesting, it does not matter how fast each runner is. You could have the fastest runners in the world on the relay. It's not about the runners getting around the track. It's actually the baton getting around the track. And oftentimes in families, we may have great generations that do amazing things, but the purpose of the family, the legacy of the family uh, that needs to be passed on to the next generation, that purpose never changes hands. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit in the context of the verse that says, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. A lot of times when we heard that verse, we would 
think more about rules and boundaries and things of that nature of how to make a person disciplined. But we also know that the Bible also says where there is no vision, there is no discipline. So trying to instill discipline without vision, trying to instill discipline without purpose, uh, trying to instill discipline without identity can be a very difficult thing to do. So how do we actually pass that on to our children? How do we help our children discover it? Well, if you saw the title of this uh, particular episode entitled Let Her Rip, Let Her Rip or Let Her Rip, if I wanted to come from my more country background and R.I.P. are, I believe, three things that I believe can help someone begin to discover how to pass on identity R to help a child discover their identity. First, let's look at the first letter R. When we look at the letter R, it represents recess. Recess is where you actually watch how a child plays because the DNA of God, the DNA of identity has already been placed inside that child. And the text, Proverbs 22, 6, is more so talking about train up a child according to his or her bent, his or her purpose. And that once you train, train a child according to that purpose, that child will not depart from it. As I mentioned in the first episode that I already knew at an early age that I was created to make, perform, produce music because that is what I was driven to do. Recess. Watch how a child plays. When I played, I ran to the piano. Some children may run to building things and constructing things out of their toys. Some children may dance. Some children may sing. Some children may knock a bunch of things over destructively, meaning that maybe there's something in excavation, demolition. We don't know. But watch how the child plays, because as we begin to watch how their play or the play, we'll kind of know how their heart is bent and that will get us from recess, understanding how they play, to I, instruction. Instruct the child according to their bent. So my mother was amazing at watching how I would play the piano all day, in and out, uh, from the morning to night on the weekends. And when I got home, I was always on that instrument. So her thing was, if that was my Bent, if that was what I was driven to do, if that's what I was leaning to or gravitating toward, that's what she was going to train me to do so I could do it effectively. So she didn't force me to play the piano. She instructed me because that's what I was driven or leaning or gravitating toward. So watch how a child plays. Oftentimes what we do is we start an instruction and go to practice and ignore inspiration and inspiration, you know, to be inspired just means to breathe. So how is that? What makes that child come alive? What animates us? What makes us feel alive? Look at those things first and then begin to come up with a plan of action to instruct and inform the child so that the child can understand how to know how to interpret, communicate and perform what they're inspired to do. And the P part 
So R, recess. How do they play? I, information, instruction. How do we instruct that child and equip them to be prepared to do what they're inspired to do? P, proficiency. And that's where we want to come up with the practice drills and drill over and over and over so that we will be able to make or develop a skill. Now, I've heard, for example, everybody's born with talent, but no one is born with skills. Skills is something that we actually have to work work at. And so if we want to align our lives to be effective or even more so effective, it needs to align with our inspiration, our instruction, and then our practice. If we can work through those three things, then we tend to have a little bit more of an efficient execution of how to get things done in life. Again, my disconnect when I was uh, just trying to discover my identity or even when I lost it is that what I was inspired to do was not always what I was instructed to do throughout the academic process and not what I was able to practice. So therefore, there was a disconnect. And because of that disconnect, I didn't have a lot of effectiveness. And not only did I not have a lot of effectiveness, I also got in a lot of trouble. I know it's hard for some of y'all to believe, those that know me, that my second home away from home was the principal's office. And I spent quite a bit of time uh, in the principal's office because I was always in trouble around my latter part of elementary and through, uh, I guess you could say, middle school because I just could not make the connection between what I was learning in class and what they had to do with my recess, how I played, my inspiration, what drove me, what animated me, what made me feel alive. I'm sitting in class and I'm reading literature and I'm reading these different stories and I'm learning these different scientific principles and math problems. And I did not see how in the world did this make me a better musician. So I found myself getting bored. I found myself doing the old spitball thing and uh, being a distraction, a class clown, all of these different things. And so the teacher would automatically say, Joel McRae to the office or Joel McRae, go stand in the corner or those that remember writing the circle on the board and having you put your, your nose in the board. Just about everything that we had to do Uh, sit behind the cardboard box. Uh, I had about all of those things because I was just totally disconnected between what I was instructed to do and how it was disconnected from what I was inspired to do. Even when I was in elementary, uh, I was actually sent to a reading therapist because the reading uh, therapist thought that I struggled to read because I read too slowly. But what they didn't understand is that when I read, I see movies in my head. So I didn't like just reading text. When I read something, I wanted to create a movie. So if it started off saying, on a cold winter day, the wind was swirling. I had to create all that. I had to create all all of that in my head because I could not read without creating the characters without creating the scenes, without creating the sound effects, without having the soundtrack. All of that stuff was going on in my head. The problem was it took about 25 minutes to get all of that set up. And you know what happened after that. The teacher would say, take out a sheet of paper and number from one to 10. The good old pop quiz. Only problem was I was still on page one and I had to 
figure out over time how to get my inspiration and information to connect. But I'm just saying those different things that I struggled with that growing up. And because I struggled with that, I struggled with discipline. I struggled with focus. I struggled with direction. I struggled with motivation. I struggled with anger and all of these other types of emotions that came out because I did not see the point. So back to that relay, if you will, that relay. One thing that is important is when that first runner is running around the bend of that first curve and getting ready to hand off purpose and getting ready to hand off legacy to the next generation. There is an exchange zone where we have time to make that transfer in parenting. What we want to also understand in a relay, it is the incoming runner's job to make sure the stick is effectively and securely passed. It's not the outgoing runner's job. So it means it's not the child's job to necessarily catch that identity. It is the parent's job to actually see how they can train up that child. Proverbs 22, 6, according to their bent, according to their gravitation, so that that child can now begin to be instructed and be prepared to be proficient and skilled according to God's call and DNA on their life. We want to make sure that we are really watching that child, watching that child closely, how they play. And then make sure that when they are instructed, they tend to actually have a little bit more focus if that instruction can be connected to their identity and inspiration and how they play. So that is something that I believe that is a very key thing is that making sure we let her rip, that we understand recess, how a child plays, I, that we create instruction and information that is in line with that recess and then practice preparation that that also develops the skill set that is actually needed for that child to execute. That is something I believe that each parent should actually take the moment to step back and really understand that the Bible says that if one walks in the spirit, he, he or she will not give into the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? Again, the spirit in the Greek pneuma just means breath. And to be inspired means to be breathed into. So I believe it's virtually impossible for someone to be full of the spirit and uninspired at the same time. God is inspiring his kids. The first thing he did with dirt is inspire it. He breathed into it and it became a living soul. When we gave our life to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we've become reanimated for his glory. Let's take the time to understand what is God wanting to do and allow that inspiration to really animate us, understand what makes us feel alive. Then let's get the instruction needed to do that. And ultimately, we'll become fertile ground. Matthew 13, 23 says that the fertile heart is the one that can hear and understand and produce 30, 60 and 100 fold. How is God speaking to your children? How's God speaking to you? How can we train our children to hear God? How can we equip them to understand, interpret, communicate, and ultimately perform God's will in their lives? I hope this helps you because it's something I'm still fleshing out. We are fleshing out with our kids to make sure, more importantly, that we're not in just instilling only rules and regulations. I heard 
One preacher say that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So we want to make sure that we are establishing boundaries around inspiration, establishing boundaries around God's call on their life, watching how they play, instructing them along the way and developing the proficiencies and skills that they need in order to be the best for God to get glory. I thank you so much for listening on today. I hope that you got a nugget or two from today's episode. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out uh, to me at joelbmccray at gmail.com. Send a question. I'd love to to, uh, try my best to explore, answer. And as we walk this journey out of identity, understanding and execution together. Thank you again. Check out my podcast channel on iTunes. Just look me up at Joel McRae or you can check it out on my website, joelmccray.com. You have an amazing day.